uh, South Africa has struck a 218 billion rand energy deal with the Turkish company uh, Car Power Ship to provide South Africa with power from ships. Now, the three floating power stations, which use liquefied natural gas to produce electricity, are expected to dock at Saldana, Richards Bay and Qabeja towards the end uh, of uh, the next half of next year. So the Department of Mineral Resources and Energy has, however, acknowledged that car power ship, uh, which will supply 450 megawatts of electricity from gas, uh, does not meet the local content requirements for ships that it will use. So the Deputy Director General uh, Jacob Mbele says the final agreements are yet to be signed. Uh, This is Mbele briefing Parliament on the matter. The big issue that's made is around the fact that um, the ships will be leased. Um, In our consideration, um, what happened is that as part of the Oceans Economy Operation Pakisa, shipbuilding is a designated, was then made a designated activity. But obviously the bidders went to the DTIC based on the assessment of the DTIC. The DTIC then made a decision to exempt um, these ships from from obviously uh, the requirement to be uh, built here. And But in addition to that, what they did do, they actually indicated to these ships that um, they will require, they require that the exemption is subject to these ships being maintained and overhauled here in South Africa, not somewhere else. So in terms of its operations while they are here, the expectation is that um, those, uh, that work um, or the maintenance must, must happen here in South Africa. The second point that is raised by everyone is the fact that um, the, the equipment on the ship, including the gas turbines and all those things, um, are not local. The reality is that in South Africa, we don't have a big gas to power uh, industry. And uh, it's something that as part of the gas to power project, we're hoping will kickstart. So as we sit here, there is not local content. Many of these engines, even if it was not on these ships, they would have been imported. In terms of the eight projects that uh, we, we, we have awarded preferred bidder status, these projects have come at 52%, 53% South African entity participation and about 41% Black South African participation, which is higher than what we, we had as a, as a minimum threshold. The other benefits is, is that there will be jobs created and here about 17,000 jobs. And that was Department of Mineral Resources and Energy's Deputy Director General Jacob Mbele speaking in Parliament. Meanwhile, energy analyst Clyde Mallinson says that the Risk Mitigation Independent Power Producer Procurement Program, uh, that's the RMI uh, PPPP, is expensive and it should be replaced by a materially larger, uh, more cost-effective procurement program based primarily on renewables and storage rather than on power ships. So Mallinson has written to the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure and uh, to the Independent Power Producer Office to highlight these expensive shortcomings of the program. And he joins us on the line now to tell us a little bit more. Uh, thanks so much for your time. Welcome to Update at Noon, Clyde. Thanks, Akina. I always have to check that I say welcome to you and your viewers, or is it listeners in this case? I always seem to get it the wrong way around. I think this time it's listeners. It it? is listeners. (laughs) Thanks for your time. Thanks so much. Okay, Sakina, I'm going to try and be succinct in this. First of all, I want to just say that the car power ships and the whole question around the power ships is actually a red herring as far as I'm concerned. It's clear to me that the risk mitigation program was 
poorly thought through and poorly constructed in that it didn't allow for the participants to make full use of the existing grid infrastructure. So it it it, it treated every every bidder as if they were a separate island, if you like. Another way of looking at it is they said you must drive from Joburg to Cape Town, but you're not allowed to use the road network. So you've got to get a 4 by 4 vehicle and go on the back road. And we can all see that that would be more time-consuming and more expensive than if we were allowed to use the system. So I developed a model whereby we could fully integrate and use the uh, system that we have at our disposal, and we could also make sure that the system had what it needed to run and what the system meaning the whole electricity supply industry transmission system in South Africa, what the system desperately needs is more energy at the moment. So I looked at a model where we would supply three times as much energy as what has been called for in the risk mitigation program, and we would be able to do that at 40% of the cost per unit of electricity. So instead of paying one rand 58 per kilowatt hour for 10 terawatt hours, we would pay 61 cents per kilowatt hour for 30 terawatt hours. So, um, and, 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 and really the interesting part of the analysis was that uh, a third of the 30 terawatt hours that I'm suggesting we procure would be able to be absolutely unequivocally dispatchable, as they call it, between 5 in the morning and 9.30 at night which was a requirement of the risk mitigation program. So effectively, I think anyone can see that if you overbuild wind and solar, you're going to be able to supply within the time window that they required on the risk mitigation program. Uh, What wasn't that obvious is that you could do it at 40% of the cost. And as a benefit, you would have three times as much energy. And as we all know, um, our system, if I may call it that, in the country is desperately short of energy. So that's the alternative, um, and it doesn't it doesn't completely spike the existing risk mitigation program. If, if we add up all the land-based projects on the program, uh, they could easily be incorporated into the alternative that I propose. And the most exciting thing to me is that it would uh, it would involve four times the amount of local infrastructure spend, which is what we need to do to to do a post-COVID recovery. And catch this one: it would be ten times the number of jobs created. So I hope some people from the unions listening to this call. Mm-hmm. So that's really what I proposed. It's a constructive alternative that could actually even incorporate the existing winning bidders to a certain extent. And we may even have a short-term slot for the power ships if they were able to arrive far more quickly and perhaps just park here for one or two years. But I'm not even sure that they're required. Mm. So if we look at, uh, for example, some of the assertions that you make, starting with uh, the actual plan not having been thought through properly, uh, why would that be the case in a country where we are uh, short on energy to the grid? Uh, Surely this is a a crisis of sorts and and it needs to be looked at carefully. And also um, a uh, cash-strapped country, as it were. We have a power utility that is very, very deep in debt. Uh, So what we wouldn't want is for them to pay any more than they absolutely should. 
Sakina, it's a real good question, and I'm afraid I don't have the answer. I gave, a, I presented my analysis two months before the bid window closed in October last year, and without uh, without um, uh, thinking that I got it right, I basically called all the prices that have materialised to within one or two cents of what was actually bid. I think I had a price of one rand sixty for gas, and it's turned out to be one rand fifty five or something. So, I was I was spot on on all of those calls. I, inter- I interfaced with the IPP office uh, and with various other players, and basically I was just given the cold shoulder. So the only the only conclusions I can draw are one that that there was some misunderstanding of what a systems approach meant. Uh, and I think people didn't want to allow projects to charge up batteries, for example, from the ESCOM grid at night and then sell it back to ESCOM in the daytime at higher prices. But I advocated that they could charge from the grid at night as long as they had banked a surplus, if you like, of solar in the daytime. So they would literally be storing their surplus solar daytime in ESCOM's pump storage overnight and then not having to build batteries of the same size of, of the size that they would have to do if they couldn't do that. So I advocated a systems approach. So either people didn't understand what a systems approach was, which is difficult to to fathom, or there was some kind of um, underlying directive to create an anchor uh, gas offtaker uh, in order to encourage gas exploration in and around the coast and the Karoo in South Africa. I can't think of any other alternatives. Mm. You know, ultimately it comes down, Clyde, to the cost because that is passed on to the consumer. And what the consumer wants is uh, to pay as little as possible uh, under the current circumstances. So given what had happened with the independent power producers when uh, the contracts were signed, I think it was 27 um, of those independent power producers, one of the issues that arose was that ultimately they came in at the time uh, more expensive than what Eskom could actually produce energy from uh, coal for. So uh, speak to us about the costs involved here. And y- you did touch on it, but I see you also say that the estimated cost of supplying gas to uh, projects that actually use gas, including the power ships uh, that we were talking about mm-hmm. over the next 20-year term of these PPAs, will actually exceed 150 billion rand. Yes, I was actually very conservative there. I just, I, it didn't, it, it wasn't really material to my argument. But I think CSIR and others have said that the value of those contracts, or the cost to the country of those contracts, will exceed 200 billion rand in money spent, and most of that money will will go offshore because the gas will be imported. So, so just to come back to this whole question of IPPs adding to the cost and so on, I did an analysis that. Uh, when we, if we looked at Madupi Power Station and we split it up into six components, which are the six units that supply from Madupi, if we align those with the six bid windows, and, and we haven't actually had six bid windows, we've only had four yeah. so far. If you look at the first unit of Madupi when it came online, take a guess what it cost per kilowatt hour for the production from that first unit in the first year that it supplied power. Have a stare. 
<laughs> I, I, I don't, I, I don't want to be just because of the okay. sheer so overall cost it. overruns yeah, yeah, with Madupi. Yeah. Yeah, but forget about the cost overrun. Remember, when you build Madupi, you build the whole power station, then when only the first unit is running, its effective cost is the cost of whatever's been built that year, together with with whatever it costs for that. Anyway, in the first year, what did Madupi, it, cost? it cost us about nine rand a kilowatt hour for power supplied from Madupi in the first year. And the first bid window cost us about two rand fifty a kilowatt hour. Then when the second unit of Madupi came on, because there were now two units, that cost dropped to about four rand or so per kilowatt hour. When the second bid window came on, the costs dropped to one rand sixty per kilowatt hour. And very simply, if we continue that line of argument, if we built enough wind or solar to to generate the same energy as a Madupi when it's running fully and finally, the power from wind and solar, including those first early expensive rounds, right through to when we had got parity with uh, Madupi, would cost about 90 cents. And Madupi, when it gets to its full uh, sort of running smoothly and everything is fixed, will cost about one rand forty. So um, it's it's. Uh, you know, we 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 paid more for wind and solar in the early rounds than we were currently producing from coal, and that's because the coal that we were producing from had been paid off already. It was like an old car. But if we compare it correctly to new coal, which is very much Kabuti and Kasili, even with those very expensive early rounds, it comes out much cheaper. And of course now we, 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 we actually have only we only produce a relatively small amount of our electricity from those early rounds. Now that it's got really cheap, we don't want to buy it anymore. You know, we started off buying it expensively. Yeah. Now it's got really cheap. And I think that's what's part of the problem is it's suddenly become apparent that it's actually much better for us to programmatically shut down our coal fleet over the next 10 years, not because it's the right thing to do from climate change and health reasons, but because it's the cheapest option. Clyde. I mean, I, I just think people, you know, I, I don't think it's actually the, the pennies dropped there. There's a cheaper option now, not just a, a just and a moral and a climate change and a health option. I mean, when we bring all of those things in, it becomes, it becomes immoral not to shut it down. And I'm not talking mm. about shutting it down overnight. I'm talking about a well-thought-through, structured, just transition of yeah. retiring our coal fleet. And so, heaven knows we, it's retiring itself, uh, and we're scrambling to keep, keep abreast of replacing it. So what is the current cost of procurement for ESCOM from the IPPs? The current cost of Procurement from the ESCOM on the on the average of all of the old IPPs is of the order of one rand fifty. I think for solar it might be two rand twenty, um, which is still steep, uh, which is still expensive, but it's very little. If ESCOM were to procure now from um, uh, a new IPP round, the costs for solar would be somewhere between forty-five and fifty cents, and for wind that would be somewhere between sixty and seventy cents. Uh, as opposed to what we know is the, as opposed to these costs of one rand fifty eight that we're now entering into on these power ships. 
Well, Clyde Mallinson, thanks so much uh, for your thoughts there. Uh, Clyde is an energy analyst and uh, giving us his thoughts there. He actually um, communicated with uh, the departments, uh, the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure and the Independent Power uh, Office, highlighting uh, the expensive shortcomings of uh, the uh, risk mitigation independent power producer procurement program and um, it was outlining there as you heard what he thinks would be a more cost effective procurement program.